Welcome to the Scottish Watches podcast. This is part one of a two-part mini-series. Who with, you ask? Me and Dave, that's who with. Your special friends who are very special. We're back from a week-long excursion to Geneva in Switzerland for Geneva Watch Days 2022. It was incredible. It was the first time I've been there. I don't know if it's the first time Dave's been there, but I'm sure he will tell us shortly. And we've got so much to talk about, there is absolutely no way we can cram all the releases, all the chat and all the cool things that we saw and did into one show. So this will expand across the next couple of weeks and we're going to hit the road running with a couple of releases but first Dave you can hit us with if you've been there before or not I have been but not for a week long or an extended period before I popped in for just about a day to be honest before and had a quick look around but yeah it's a cool concept and I'm sure we'll get into the depths of it and maybe other people will listen and think I'm going to do it next year because you definitely can if you want but more on that later risk check time am I going to have to do this first of course you are no more, no more rock, paper, scissors. Just got on with it. Did you not like that? Oh, no, I liked I that a lot. But that. I, I liked oh. that a lot, but it proved the point. As I won, always come second. So get on right, with it. Okay, let's let's see if uh, lightning strikes twice in the same place. Dave, okay, right, let's here do we it. go. Ready, ready, ready. One, ready. two, three. I can't see what you've got. <laughs> no, you changed it. I saw you. <laughs> You're an idiot. Think I didn't see it. See, I caught you out there. I can't see you. I can see fine. Well, what you did, and you're like, oh, good. I can't see. I'll change it to scissors. <laughs> <laughs> So you're caught, be. right, get on with it. <laughs> ah, God damn you. God damn you, Dave. <laughs> right, okay. I shall go first. I have got an Elliot Brown in to check out. I actually forgot this had arrived and I got nudged, not by Catelyn this time, but somebody else, nudged me to say, hey, are you going to talk about that new watch? And I thought, yeah, I may as well talk about that new watch. That's what I'm wearing today. It's the Elliot Brown collaboration with Land Rover and it is to commemorate the new limited edition Classic Defender Works V8 Trophy 2. Now that is a mouthful and this watch is a, well, it's a mammoth watch on the wrist. What they've done is they've given it a zebra-like coating in PVD on the case and the kind of party trick this one's got is the loom fully loom bezel as you would expect from the guys there but the dial itself it looks white in daylight and then as soon as the light disappears it just comes alive and not just in solid loom like maybe the the SAR timer I think it was loom edition or other watches where we've seen the face completely illuminate this one here's got lots of different colours so the camouflage extends across the dial itself and it just is an absolute treat at night massive massive huge strap on it so it doesn't matter what size wrist you've got you can cut it to size obviously this one's going back so it is dangling like a necklace on my scrawny little wrist but quite a nice looking watch and we've had the guys from Elliot Brown on the show before they're the folks that were well the masterminds behind the animal brand back in the day those funky watches those funky straps so Dave I sent you some pictures of it I showed you in the webcam quick thoughts from yourself it's not my thing the loom is amazing no two ways about it that loom is amazing and you know there's not enough watches out there with fully loom dials uh, but to be fair to it when you see the pictures of the Land Rover that I guess it's kind of I don't know whether the word homaging is the right word but when it's you know linked to the Land Rover that it's talking about you can see where all of the little design cues have come from whether that kind of texture or patterning on the case the camouflage on the loom dial so it's pretty faithful when it comes to that but the loom is pretty spectacular and price point £595 so a watch that should be available to many a pocket and it is something a little bit different 
this watch, 43 mil as you say, it's a big beast and it's got a kind of unusual take in the strap I'd say. Looks like a Tropic strap which is normally always pin buckle but this one looks like it's got a cuttable strap and used with a deployant clasp. Yeah and it's a big chunky deployant clasp with the Elliot Brown logo on the end. Really well put together and at that price point pretty incredible. Not a lot of movement in the deployant clasp either. Usually at the lower price points they're a little bit jingly jangly as I like to say. But now this watch is fantastic and uh, ones we've had in before equally just as good. I think the ones before were actually more expensive. This one limited to a thousand pieces. Movement inside, as you'd expect, quartz, but it's rock solid. It's a Swiss Ronda calibre 715 and it has got a three-year battery life on it. Yeah, can't say enough good things about the look of it. Again, it is down to your personal taste and preference. The brand's been around for a long time. The guys know what they're talking about. They've been in the industry for decades. So if you like the look of it, grab one quick because they will go fast. I think it's fair to say we should never underestimate people's taste, whether good or bad, as, uh, you know, there's a few watches out there recently that have challenged my taste palette, but that's not stopped them being super successful. So, you know, uh, just because maybe it's not my thing or your thing or you like it and I don't like it or whatever, uh, there's going to be people out there that are going to love this watch totally no dave it is worth it what am i wearing so i am wearing for these two episodes that we're recording part one and part two of geneva watch days i'm wearing the two watches that i decided to take to geneva with me so tonight as we record i am wearing my joker as i knew constantine chaikin would be there and you know it's the joker and it's a lovely watch and I love it and I've been wearing it again today because I really don't wear this watch often enough. I don't know why, we've talked about this before, but outside of all the other political reasons and everything else out there, I just need to wear this watch more. So I've made a conscious effort to start wearing it a little bit more. Well, I got to meet the man, the myth, the legend himself for the first time. Although he was there at Dubai last year, didn't get a chance to actually see him on his stand. But he was patrolling around Geneva Airport when I was stuck there for about eight hours at night and I just kind of wandered up and said hello and he looked at me and I thought yeah you don't speak English that's right so I just said love your watches minion watches joker watches and he says oh thank you thank you and that was it so it was nice to actually see the guy in real life and Raketa along with Constantine himself had lots of watches on display in the large marquee tent at Geneva watch days should we perhaps explain a little bit about the layout because this isn't like your normal show it's not like watches and wonders or Basel World or even SIHH it's more a tent across the road from a large very prestigious hotel with lots of different rooms that look like looks like Blackadder was shot there Yes, so would you like me to give it a more kind of technically accurate description? I think it's what's known as a decentralised event where unlike something like Hey, Watches and Wonders or more common shows you've been to whether that be the London Watch or whatever this is more where I guess a brand take their own initiative, they hire out suites or hotels or bars or whatever it may be and they all have their own little gig going on but they all kind of collaborate together as you say there's this kind of big marquee-esque tent which is like a bit of a hub for everybody for meeting for parties and such like and you know you go around this show and you go and see who you want ideally with an appointment as most of them were running a you know fairly rigid appointment system although you could usually wheedle your way in if it was quiet in there I think there was around what 30 brands albeit not all of them officially aligned but you know a good number officially aligned and a couple as always who jump on the bandwagon many of the as you mentioned 
this rather nice hotel, that being the Beau Rivage, which is a hotel that gets used often for watch events, was a bit of a secondary hub as I reckon a fair number of the brands, probably about 10 or 12 to my knowledge and maybe a few more, were kind of located in and around that hotel and then many other brands in hotels adjacent next door, behind or possibly sometimes in their own boutiques because Geneva's not the biggest city in the world, would you say it's fair to say? Most places are pretty walkable in the town centre. Yeah, if it's not boiling hot and you're Scottish. Well, well, that is fair and actually I think we may have got a little bit last of the summer sun as it was what verging on the low 30s when we were there pretty much yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is very nice for most people but as you say for us just a little bit too hot I think the other thing we forgot to mention about this show is it is a trade event but it is absolutely open to the public and if you're a member of the public and you like these brands and you reach out to these brands more often than not they're delighted to let you come along and have a chat with them and see what they've got to show. They might not necessarily show you the secret squirrel stuff but you know if you're maybe a customer of that brand I do know some customers who were there managed to get a wee sneaky peek at some stuff that's coming as well so it's very inclusive and if you fancy it next year stick it in your diaries it'll probably be around about the same time maybe even go on Instagram and follow Geneva Watch Days because they've got an Instagram account that seems to have two pictures one that says 2021 and one that says 2022 so I think broadly how it works is they post a picture each year and say this is when it is and you go ooh let's go so if you fancy it next year just go Sounds good to me. Simple, straightforward, a bit like our podcast. Now, before we get into what we did and run you through the diary of events, we'll see how far we get in the first hour before we chop to the second hour. But there is lots to talk about. And the first thing is probably the Tudor news that broke while we were across there, Dave. And you've got far, far, far more Tudors than I have with my measly one. Tell us all about this, because I think you've got other iterations of this model. Let's rewind the clock. As we all know, they've had the classic Pelagos. It's a cool piece. Titanium quality technical tool watch blue dial black dial then they brought out the left hand drive but there was really very little had been done with the Pelagos and I think a lot of folk had been saying hey guys uh, it's not just about the Black Bay what's happening with the Pelagos and then out of nowhere drops the fixed FXD with the fixed lugs RKO out of nowhere and I reckon everybody kind of said okay that's what they've done with the Pelagos cool great okay it'll be another few years before they do anything but no they've gone and done a BB58 on it haven't they they've brought out a Tudor Pelagos 39mm and it's an interesting watch is it handsome? is it handsome? hmm I was very undecided when I saw the pictures. I was absolutely... Every time you say interesting, I'll ask if it's handsome. How does that sound? Well, yeah, that sounds good. You say, I say interesting, okay. you say handsome, and then we'll reverse roles. So when I saw the pictures, Ricky, I thought to myself, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I like the idea of the size. 39mm diameter, 11.9mm in height. It's definitely a bit more compact than the previous ones. The original was 42mm. It's gone to grade 2 titanium. What's the difference? So I believe, and I might be wrong, but I believe the originals are grade 5. Now, watches tend to be made out of grade 2 or grade 5, but grade 5 is a material that is slightly easier to mark, albeit it does have other benefits, but it's unusual to see grade two, so I'm not entirely sure why they decided to get down this route, but it's got a full satin finish on it, which the case looks good, the size looks good. I wasn't convinced about the dial in the pictures because it's a kind of strange combination of a satin dial with a kind of sunray sunburst effect in it. And I'm not the biggest fan of sunburst effect dials. You like my Daytona? I like your Daytona, but I wouldn't buy one. Yes, you would. Would I? Mm-hmm. 
Would I? And flip it the next day. Yeah, you would. Okay. Yeah, actually, actually, now you put it on that. No, actually, I genuinely wouldn't. And as we've talked often, that's really not our style anyway. But yeah, I wasn't sure about this whole satin sunburst effect thing going on. But when you see it in real life, it is really quite subtle, the sunburst on it as well. No date. Quite like that on this size of watch. Ceramic you bezel. Know what? There's, a, there's an interesting thing. And I know I'm buttoning in and taking your job off you here. But no, listen, no problem. The date thing. I never really cared until I was until I was having to use my watch for its designated purpose, telling the time and date. And last week, and even in Dubai, because in Dubai I was wearing the Arage Turbion one, it doesn't have a date. And last week I was wearing the Daytona all week, so I thought it'd be safe. More on that later. Yes, I still have it, thank Yes. Uh, but missing the date is a real pain in the arse. It really is. I tend to agree. I think if a date can be really nicely integrated into a watch in terms of it's there, it's readable, but it's subtle and it doesn't take over or it doesn't mess with the symmetry. I would more often than not go for a date, but there's certain watches like, for example, my Joker that I'm wearing tonight. I just can't see how you would integrate a date in that in any clean way. Although this is Chaikin we're talking about, he could probably come up with a pretty funky way of doing it, but it wouldn't look right with a traditional date window. Let's put it like that. Um, You know, not sure. I think this watch is the perfect watch for people that either want and can't get a Submariner, whether they can't afford a Submariner, whether they can't get one because of the lists and the waiting. I think this is a very good looking watch that's got lots of features of Submariner about it that will appeal at a price point to that kind of customer. I think that's where they're going with this. It has been quite drastically, I think, downspecced from the original Pelagos. 200 metres water resistance down from six hundred, uh, down from five or 600 metres. It's not got the cool uh, bracelet with a spring-loading clasp on it. It does have a bracelet with a T-fit, which is a nice system, but to me, not as cool as that original spring-loaded bracelet. Nicer, slightly smaller size, and it just looks a little less tool watch to me. And I think the nice thing about the Pelagos was one of the very last proper, just unadulterated tool watches that was kind of in the Tudor Rolex family. The rest of them have all had a little touch of something to give it a wee bit of bling, a wee bit of Bobby Dazzler. And I think the last Pelagos very much was that. I think this one's just began to creep into that, make it quite shiny to appeal to the luxury inverted commas watch market which is sad in a way that's not to say it's much nicer in real life lots of folk are going to love this watch i think it's pretty cool am i going to get one hmm i'm not going to actually stick my neck on the line this time because i said i wasn't going to get a black bay pro and i did but i'm less likely to get one of these than i was to get a black bay pro and i said i wasn't going to get a black bay pro so maybe that says something so i'm guessing you haven't seen it but you have seen pictures renders etc what's your thoughts on what you've seen never really liked the original and this pushed it further away from me the original i thought looked plastic because it had a matte effect that was the blue one. And yeah, kudos for making a watch that's a little bit different from everything else and it does stand alone as you don't grey off your microphone and deafen me. Sorry, I was getting a bit of tissue because I'm bleeding. Is it that time I want to Dave? Yeah. Nice one. Cool. So it's never really appealed as much as give it respect for being different from the previous iterations of the Tudor Submariner and all the rest of it. This one here just looks like someone faxed the old one across. It's just muted instead of blue. It's not one that I really have any sort of interest in at all, so I didn't pay much attention to it. And it was far more interesting things for me to look at and talk about over the week. So I'm glad that you spent the time looking at that. So I suppose we should kind of jump straight into the show itself and talk about what we did. So what did we do? We saw lots of very, very cool stuff. Sadly, quite a lot of stuff we can't talk about. But happily, 
lots and lots of stuff we can talk about. True. Now, you didn't manage to get across on Monday. You had prior engagements and you also had to leave slightly early. So you got the middle of the show. I managed to catch the start and the end and the in-between. But for me, it all started on Monday getting thrown off a plane. And not for the reasons that listeners may think. You're not on that. You managed to get yourself off that no-fly list, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I just changed my name again. That's what happens when you get Russian visas. Well, that does play a part at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And, and for so, me too. It's a joy having that good. in your passport for a while, isn't it? It's, I, I actually am thinking of cutting it out. So I got to the airport in plenty of time to be told, yeah, everything's fine. A little light, slight delay. On you go. We all get onto the plane as I'm walking onto the plane. There's a vehicle outside that says engineering team. I've never seen this before in front of a plane. <laughs> I'm quite, I'm a, I'm a details guy. So I spotted this and thought, this does not bode well. So we get on and I have booked first class EasyJet, which is front row, extra legroom. You can take a cabin bag on. Fantastic. Sitting down. We're all sitting waiting. Captain comes out or pilot or whatever you call the person that runs the show. And he says, yeah, there was a smell and we were a bit concerned. So we got the engineering team out to have a sniff. They had a sniff and they said, everything's fine. So we're about to go. And then Luton phoned and said, ah, yeah, that smell's not a good smell. Get everybody off that plane. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, safety. Ugh, it'll be fine. So I'm glad that they kicked us off. Ended up an hour late. We stole someone else's plane. They got duked five hours into the future. And uh, we're on our merry way. Thankfully, I had booked all my appointments for Monday later on in the day because I thought I'd be stood in passport control for about two hours like the last time me and you went to Geneva. No, flew straight through, no bother at all. Got to the hotel, dumped my stuff, thought, this hotel's a little bit warm, but we'll get to that later on. Then I walked the five minutes from my crummy hotel to the event itself. It was a festival, it was a carnival, the big tent down at the water, the sun coming down, everybody walking around enjoying themselves. Absolutely loved it. And the first place I walked into was Urwerk, and I got to see their new purple monster. This mm. is the UR100V Ultraviolet. Did you get a chance to have a wee look at this one? I had a little glimpse of it. It's purple. I knew about it. I thought, mm, me likes a bit of purple, me does. And it's, uh, yeah, it's everything that you expect of an artwork and a little bit more and a wee dash of purple. It's very cool. Very, very cool. And it's fair to say, I think that purple's the, well, we call it one of the understated colours of the year because there's, when you begin to put your thinking cap on, there's been a fair amount of purple done the rounds with watch brands this year for various reasons, but it's still not quite caught on in the same way maybe as green caught on a couple of years ago. I guess it's a slightly more divisive colour, but this watch looks absolutely, I don't know, it's our work is our work. You love it, you hate it aesthetically. I'm sure most folk love it technically, but it's fair to say, you know, it's a pretty interesting or left field Kind or of handsome. aesthetic. Handsome is not a phrase I'm going to use uh, with uh, with our work because without detracting it, it's very much in my wheelhouse, but they're not handsome. It's just, it's quite hmm, space age, I think is probably the best way. Sci-fi is probably the best way to describe it. It's 1950s, 1960s thoughts of the future. It's when yeah. they would show you the car of tomorrow and it had the bulbous cabin area where it was just glass as a dome. That's what these kind of remind me of. Uh, it was great to speak to the team. I spoke to their head of marketing, runs their socials and PR. Shout out to him. Forgot his name, can't find his business card, but he's from London. And I was asking him about watch crime and he says, well, I don't stay there anymore, so I've avoided it all. Good on you. Had a look at that. Had a look at a few of the other ones they had. There was a solid gold number they'd released before. And you're talking about purple. Yeah, I think my eyes were open to the whole purple thing maybe uh, nearly a year ago. Yeah, And it was when we were in ago. Dubai Watch Week and Chrono Swiss said, have a look at this. 
And me and you were like, whoa, what the hell is this creature? And that got released a couple of months later. They sent it across for me to play with. Loved it. Then start of the year, I think it was Formex that brought out the little titanium number that winged its way across to Stephanie over in the States. And that one had a lovely purple strap. You borrowed it for a little while. Then there was the Fears purple. There was the MBNF purple dial and a few others as well. So yeah, it's, it's creeping in. My gut reaction is it's not going to be a colour that's going to catch on in the same way as the strong blues, the strong greens to catch on. Because while some of the bright greens are punchy, it's still relatively mainstream. I think purple's quite a divisive colour or it's certainly much more difficult to catch the mainstream. I love it though. As you know, from back at Dubai, that purple watch, ooh yes, and Nick's, Nick and Nick at Fears' purple Jubilee edition is a beautiful, beautiful kind of colourway as well. So let's have more purple watches, but let's not make it as popular as green so that if you do have one, you still get something a wee bit unique. Yeah, and Curtis will be licking his lips at the thought of more purple watches. He likes a purple watch. He certainly does. From there, I was on to see the guys at Moser, and they had a lot to show off. Obviously, there was the big gold number with the Turbion, the Vanta Black, <laughs> but they had other stuff. They had the green Fumi Dial editions that we'd seen before in press releases, perhaps not in real life. But the start of the show was the Vanta Black number, and I loved every single thing about it. The only slight criticism was the fact that, yes, it's Vanta Black. Yes, you need to see it in real life, but if you pop a sapphire crystal over the top and you do not just laden anti-reflective coating on that thing, it's going to distract you. And the crystal was picking up all the reflections, so the dial didn't quite have the same pizzazz. And one of the watches I've been wearing again recently, again, because you've been wearing your Joker watch, I decided to pull out my Copernic from Raketa. And that is the watch that has got the best AR coatings of any watch I have ever seen. Even with a light pointing straight at it, you do not see the sapphire. And if the guys at Moser had just maybe dialed up the AR coatings a little bit more, I think it would have been perfect. But it was a chunky number. Got to try it on. Vanta Black is incredible. Later on in the show, I'll tell you about my experience seeing the full Vanta Black watch. But obviously you're a Moser fan. You got to check these out. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I, my, I did. And my first experience of it was not actually on the Moser booth. It was on the Tuesday as I arrived on the Tuesday. And on the Tuesday evening, we went for a little social gathering and drinks at the Marquee Tent area where everyone was gathering on that night. And Edward was there and he bumped into me as we were wandering around and we looked at each other, had a smile as we've known each other for a little while and he just pulls his sleeve up and at that night I was wearing my Moser and it was like being kicked in the little Chuckies oh yes lovely what oh he's got the real one and that was the end of my evening but it is such a cool watch he took it straight off his wrist and handed it to me the weight of it the look of it did you fall over it was verging on toppling to the side I mean it's stunning Everyone knows I love the Streamliner. I think personally, my Streamliner, and I've said this before, is as close to perfect as a watch can get for me. The only thing about this one is the Tourbillon. And it's oh, not God. even so much... It's, oh, no, no. You say, oh, God. It's not even about the fact there's a Tourbillon movement. Please, guys, everyone, listen up, everyone. You don't need to cut a hole in the dial, especially when it's a Vanta Black dial, to let everyone know you've got a Tourbillon. Apparently you do. I'm wrong. But in my opinion, so many watches would be better if that wasn't the case. That is a big kicker for me. I've not got the money to buy one of these at 120,000 US dollars, I believe. But if I did, that is honestly something that would put me off that watch. But as you say, the dial's amazing. The Vanta Black without the hole in it. The case 
and that red gold is absolutely outstanding. I just, oh, it's so nice. Red gold is a thing that I've just got a little, a little flutter in my heart every time I see red gold on any watch for that matter. Just that coppery hue to it is so good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's technically a tour de force, that watch, and it's amazing. Oh and It's Dave Sharp bingo. <laughs> tour de force. Tour de force. Boom. Handsome. <laughs> now that is a handsome watch. It's a handsome okay. watch with a flaw. Well, yeah. I, I thought AR coating. You thought actually publicising the fact that it got a tourbillon and by showing the tourbillon was a flaw. But hey, you know. I'm glad I don't have to spend that 120 grand. Yeah, we saved your fortune there, Dave. Now, yeah, I, I actually went across to the big tent itself and... It was a bit of a scary process because everyone was saying that they'd emailed in to register for the show and not a single person had an email back. So nobody knew if they were actually registered, signed up or what. Thankfully, turned up at the front, girl took the details on the iPad, got my wristband, got in to see stuff. And the first thing I saw were the seven foot tall models from Jacob & Co. Literally the creme de la creme of the fashion scene uh, stood there showcasing the most expensive, prestigious jewellery watches you have ever seen in your life. And I got to go to their boutique and check things out later on in the week. In there, in the tent, they had one area over to the right hand side that was more a display, not a museum, because this was pieces that were current from the actual show itself. But you got to see them all in one instead of having to go around all the different hotel rooms that were designated to the different brands. So that was fun. Then I went back across to the hotel to check out MBNF. That was my last appointment of Monday. Got to speak to the team there. Max heard my dulcet tones pop through because there was a Scotsman in the room wanted to make sure I wasn't thieving anything. Said hello to him. Second time meeting since obviously Dubai last year. I thanked him very much for the opportunity to get the Mad One read. I know so many people were actually after it and he was telling me and you some stories about just how popular that watch was and how many times people tried to enter using different email addresses and oh, it was just, it was insane. And we shouldn't reveal and we won't reveal but you know, he was gracious to tell us how few of them how few of them there are actually out there and therefore anyone that does have one should feel privileged and you know for me it does say anyone that got one that's trying to sell it yeah there's there's, there's small enough a number that you're going to get noticed real quick well i was there and because you weren't i managed to acquire you a little toy which you haven't you picked up yet it spits flames and you're trying to burn me down aren't you i was hoping that you could try and take it through airport security because i was a little bit concerned Remember back in the 70s, 80s, I think by the 90s people were starting to be a little bit more cautious with their children, but there were toys that would have flint inside and you would pull them back and let them go, little cars and stuff, and the flint would then bounce off something metallic inside and sparks would shoot out the arse of the toy. Well, the folks at Mad Gallery, MBNF, have collaborated with an artist, don't have his details to hand, but they will be in the show notes, play along at home, look at the pictures, there will be audio clips, there will be video clips. This little toy is incredible and I got... A spare one for Dave because he wasn't there and along with that I got to check out the new MBNF Legacy Machine Split Escapement Evo which is just absolutely fantastic and all the watches that they had there including new ones, old ones and a couple that are coming out later in the year that we got to have a, a little sneak peek at just they, they can't do wrong and in the room they're exhibiting the watches they had a grandfather clock brought by up to date it was all skeletonized they had the music machine just everything that they had lying around was just top notch and it, i think compared to seeing mbnf stuff over in dubai where it was more a little booth having it expanded out across a full room as much as it's a strange setting i think it worked well for them yeah and i guess you know like um you're in their home country um so if they're going to show off they're going to show off properly now on to tuesday and this is where i found 
found out well first of all Monday night I found out that my hotel room you know the old adage of you can have it good cheap and fast but you can only pick two of the three mm-hmm. you didn't get good did you mm, well my hotel could have been cheap local and air conditioned mm-hmm. but my balls were sweating off were they so the air conditioning was less air conditioning more air should have known there was an issue, first of all by the price, second of yeah. all when I walked into the hotel room and opened the door, a blast of warm air hit me in the face, even though the window was open and they had one of those crazy Dyson fan things that's kind of a big... Ah, the air blade. Mm, air blades are not a thing that dries your hands in the bogs. Oh, could be. You mean the big thing that's tall with a hole in the middle? Yeah, so that was on full pelt and obviously wasn't working great, but in the morning I forgot, because of my memory, that I had booked breakfast, but I hadn't checked what kind of breakfast it was, so it was shitty breakfast, it wasn't full English, it wasn't bacon, sausage eggs and stuff I had to make do with eating what I could find and that was a couple of hard boiled eggs and some slivers of meat but it kept me going and the first appointment of the day for me on Tuesday because you were flying in in the afternoon was to head across and meet the folks at Bulgari now this is where things took a turn for the worst mm-hmm. this had been arranged by their UK PR team Uh And they had arranged it without really consulting me on times and dates. So I had to bounce to appointments to do this. So when they sent across the information, it's at this point in time, it's with this person and it's at this hotel. I went to said hotel. Google Maps took me to the address. Hotel doesn't exist anymore. Turns out the hotel had moved. It amalgamated with another one. And it was a good 10 to 15 minutes walk from the location I was at. And I'd spent five minutes walking back and forward trying to figure out if I'm being stupid or not. So cue me being 20 minutes late to the Bulgari <sighs> interview. I walk in, very stern faces. People are not impressed. And I said, hey guys, apologies for being late. I was given the wrong hotel address. What do you mean? I said, what do I mean? Here's the email. So they saw the address and they decided to scroll up in the email to see who it was that it up. Wouldn't like to be that person from the UK PR team, let me just say that. But as soon as they realised that the Scotsman wasn't at fault, everything was fine. And we recorded a show where I did less talking than ever before. I asked two questions, I believe. One, well, three questions I asked, how are you doing? Tell me the history of the Octo, waited half an hour from to finish. Then I asked, tell me the history of the aluminium, waited half an hour from to finish, said thank you, and left. It was one of those episodes. It was a Max Busser episode, a John claude Beaver style episode. Because Fabrizio has been there for so long, has been at the helm at the watch division for so many amazing releases. He covered everything, the world records, taking over the Genta stuff. Just, it was fantastic to listen to him and I just learned to shut my mouth because I had nothing to add to the conversation. He took it start to finish and that'll be probably one of the easiest edits ever. But did you have a look at the new releases? I did. I think the ones that I like the most are probably the ones that I was least expecting to be the ones. It was the aluminiums for me. I think that is such a cool product. As you know, I have one of the chronographs, just the non-limited edition modern releases. But these... Did you not have an original as well? I do indeed, yes. Which is, mm, yeah, 1980s, I believe, if I remember from the top of my head. Have you compared them? I have. And they are pretty faithfully similar. You can tell the new one has advanced in terms of machining capabilities and modern manufacturing, even though, you know, this old one, sorry, the old one isn't exactly ancient, but, you know, 1980s is a fair time ago. I think we've had this discussion ourselves off air before that the 1980s seems like yesterday, but actually was almost, well, almost half a lifetime ago for me. There was a meme we did mention probably that said 1980 is as far back in time from today 
1938 was when you were in 1980 and that is scary but the reason I ask you for the comparison between the two models is Fabrizio was telling me that they couldn't go back and take the designs from the original because nowadays everything's CAD so that was a ground up redesign trying to emulate as best as possible the original yeah no absolutely and I think there's a few other little technical features of the new one such as the titanium case back and a few other bits and bobs that are definitely improved over the original but you know you would like to think so as uh, we've moved forward 40 plus years so you'd like to think that they've uh, learned how to make things slightly better than they have before but for me there was two limited editions one of which is really cool but the dial for me is not something I'd necessarily buy. You can probably guess which one this is. And the one that did get me is the one where they have added the GMT functionality and a little pop of yellow in there as well. Okay, which model is this? So I'm going to completely hash the name, but it is a collaboration piece by Amerigo Vespucci. Now that is probably me absolutely butchering his name. But this one is one where a famous Italian explorer probably said it badly as I've said already but they've added a GMT functionality I'm going to sneeze do you want me to leave that in like your burp the last time no okay where they've added a GMT functionality and a pop of yellow to it really really nice aesthetic as far as I'm concerned is this an octo is this an aluminium no this is an aluminium as well this is this right, is okay. one of the aluminiums and they also released the one with what I can only describe as a metallic shimmer dial best way to describe it is it looks very very similar to the time only models that you'll know predominantly a black dial they've added the GMT markings around the rehot ring where you have from broadly 9 o'clock through to 3 o'clock a yellow banding and then you have a banding in black underneath with a nice yellow GMT hand for me they've really done a great job here of integrating gmt into a watch that's already you know a little fussy with that big rubber dial with the bulgari bulgari on it and a few other features and it's quite a compact watch this they in my opinion have done a good job here of building in that gmt functionality reminds me a little bit of the gmt limited edition quartz that grand seiko did with the yellow when they did a limited edition piece a few years ago the one bark and jacks adrian had the one adrian had correct and yeah i think they've done a great job with this 3180 of your fine british pounds which i don't think is a ludicrous amount of money for this watch i'm going to guess it's going to go pretty quickly because bulgari seem to be a brand that are gaining in popularity a brand that i think's always maybe sat a little bit to the side in terms of go-tos or dive in get quick but with the octo doing so well and the special edition octos disappearing i think there's more interest now in these aluminium models you know this is the first time since it got introduced in 2020 it's really opened up the brand to a new price category so this one I'm going to guess you don't think too much because you've maybe not had time to look at it or didn't see it because you were probably too busy looking at the Bobby Dazzler shiny Octos wrong actually no you're not wrong you're right I was thinking you meant the gold ones which I did look at but there was another one that I really liked because we were running 20 minutes late and we kept the team going for a little bit longer than they perhaps imagined at the start. Didn't get a full chance to see everything, take photos of everything. But I did bump into a whole load of people, including Marta, who used to work at Bell & Ross. She's now working with Bulgari. And also Marina Green, who is the International Press and PR Watch Manager. Turns out she loves the show. 
When she was bringing me over to set up all the recording equipment, she was saying that she listens all the time, it's the perfect size. Love it when girls tell me that. She'd actually been taking pictures and little video clips as I was doing this, and I'm like, okay, what's that for? Turns out she popped it on her Instagram, tagged Scottish Watches and said, that voice, that accent. So obviously she appreciates good Scotsmen and the way that we're so well-spoken. The watches I got to check out, obviously, the New York Finissimo, the Golds, but the one that I liked the best was the Octo Finissimo Automatic Sejima Edition. And this one is the most reflective, shiny object in the watch world that I have ever seen. Even the dial is mirror finish and you get to... How do I explain this? It's got a dimpled effect, like a mesh, a metallic foil mesh that you can barely see through. And depending on the angle of light that's coming in, you can see the dial, you can't see the dial, you can see the hands, you can't see the hands. It's obviously a fingerprint magnet, but I do like to take care of things. And I managed to not screw up my Daytona. Wearing it for the full week, didn't put any scratches on it, no scuffs, even though I had it under a jacket at certain points. Managed to look after it quite well, and everyone tells me white gold scratches and scuffs just by looking at it. So this one here, I may be able to keep fingerprints off. So, tons of great releases. This episode with Fabrizio is out, I reckon, Thursday, because it's going to be such an easy edit. I'll be able to cram through, not only the show you're hearing just now, that we're recording about five hours before it goes live, but also the one for Bulgari. And yeah, their releases, just brilliant and it was fantastic speaking to the team and I hope nobody gets sacked for sending me to the wrong hotel well you let them scroll up so if they do it's all on you from there I got to see a lot of Mad One Reds I was outside the Beau Rivage and I bumped into friend of the show George Bamford Georgie boy yes and he was wearing a rather fetching blue suit outside there Suzanne Wong and another lady were wearing their Mad One Red editions and I thought "Mm, maybe I should have brought that as well but then I thought No, I was going to wear one watch all week and I stuck to that, so that's a good thing. First time meeting George, he was deciding to gate crash everywhere. So I followed him in, dropped into De Bethune, where Waco was sitting, got to see their new releases, got to actually check out and wear Waco's blue De Bethune that is absolutely incredible in real life. Pictures do it justice, but in real life it is just as good. It's not a case of pictures and renders look better. Just can't say enough good things about that as well. Got to see some of George Bamford's new releases that are coming out later in the year now. You had told me you'd seen them and there were something to keep an eye on. I can't reveal anything, but I would totally agree with you, and listeners should definitely look at what he will be having out later in the year. It's not the standard Bamford Fair, and also the price point is incredibly low for what you're getting. From there, we get crashed another couple of places. We wandered into Trilobe and saw some of their stuff, but I didn't get much of a chance because they actually had a real meeting coming soon, and we had to bugger off, but you did. Indeed. What a brand. Now, Trilobe is a brand that, let's put it out there, keep an eye on this brand. I have a feeling this is a brand that's going to take off. They've got an interesting aesthetic. They've got an interesting way of telling the time. Is it handsome? Well, it's handless rather than handsome. Do you like what I did there? That was good. That was Mm. a good lead in. I like that. Excellent work. And it is literally handless because rather than relying on the more traditional fixed dial and moving hands, this relies on fixed marker points, stroke hands although they're not really hands marker points on the dial that are fixed and generally based around concentric rings that rotate one for the hour one for the minutes and one for seconds pictures will be in the show notes for you guys to play along at home i'm just going to keep reminding you because you do need to see what we're talking about and if you're having an idea in your head think resin style i guess i can guess where i can see that kind of uh similarity coming into play but i think Welsh resins is very 
modern futuristic looking. These have a much more classical kind of underpinnings. I think there's definitely some vibe of FP Journ in there a little bit, maybe a little bit of some stuff from Patek Philippe as well. Much more traditional in terms of colour palette and style, but with quite an I guess, untraditional way of actually visualising the time on the dial. Essentially, they have three collections, all using the same movement, which is a movement that they designed in-house and have made with some partners, that main partner initially being Cronod, who have done work for the likes of MBNF, Chapek, Hermes, HYT. So one of the, you know, one of the big hitters in terms of movement work. So they did some initial work with them designing this movement, which they call their eccentric calibre. That's an X then six. That's an X hyphen centric. So a nice little plain words there. The three categories, the initial collection is called Le Matineau, which, in, which is French, as they are a French company, albeit doing a lot of the watchmaking work in Switzerland. The first collection, meaning morning. Then they have a sub-collection, which is a kind of derivation of that initial collection called Nuit Fantastique, which in English is Fantastic Night. There's also within those a subcategory called Secret, which we'll come to. Then they have the newest collection, which is the Une Folle Journée, Crazy Day. You do need to look at the show notes because it's going to be real difficult to describe these in any way that makes sense. But I'm sure if you maybe listen and look at the same time, it'll hopefully make a little sense. First collection, very much three distinct areas and you can see the discs that rotate. They allow you to visualise the time using little trilobe style markers that are on the dial. Personally for me, the slightly newer derivation of that collection, the Nuit Fantastique collection, I think this is where they've really added back a little bit of very traditional classic watch styling to this. And personally for me, two pieces within the collection that I would own happily, happily own instantly. That being the titanium case with the June colourway dial, which is a kind of sandy colour, and one that's in a gold, a 5N gold case with a kind of specific dark dial that's used only on the gold cases. Now, let's get to the meat of the matter here. Price point, something in-house, something independent, flat templated movement as well, generally is something that's going to instantly make people think ain't going to be cheap. This is not a cheap watch. Let's get that straight. But these are starting at a very unexpected entry price point of around eight or 9,000 Swiss francs stroke euros, which is, for me, unbelievable for something that looks this good and has got this much proprietary in-house independent work to it. Absolutely exceptional. And their newest collection has definitely got little vibes of MBNF, come HYT, come Spaceship UFO about it as well. That's a lot of come. It's, it's a lot of come. And mm. to be fair, there's probably going to be plenty of people that will spell that differently when they see these pictures in the show notes. Mm. But truly, truly, but the bit we missed, the secret. And this is a cool little feature, not unique to them, has been done before, but generally not at this price point. You can give them a set of coordinates and a date and they will take an image of the night sky 
they will then have that put onto the dial and loom back filled. And when you loom it up, you get this image of the night sky. That could be a birthday, birth of a child, a death. A death. Did I say death? Well, well actually, it could be a death. You can, you can give them a set of coordinates and a date to mark a special occasion, whatever that may be. You don't even need to disclose what it is. Could be the, it could be the death of someone you loved. It could be the birth of a child. It could be a wedding. It could be anything that you want to mark. But you might not necessarily want to tell people what it is, but you want to know what it is. So it's a cool little feature on this as well. Did you get much time looking at these? Hopefully you maybe had a look at them over in the actual marquee area. No, I got to play with them for about five minutes before the appointment turned up. And I really liked them. And that's when the price was told to me. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be a winner. And I can see the trajectory for these guys being a little bit Ming-like because the price point is too low. They've already got a lot of interest. They've got multiple iterations of different models with different cool things. It's not a one-trick pony. And the sky is the limit. No pun intended. From there, Georgie Boy decided he was going to get crash the guys at Burn. So we wandered in there and we were greeted by a French lady who said, Hi, do you have an appointment? Bamford says, no, we don't. We're just kind of walking around, checking stuff out. Is that okay? Sure, sure. Come on in, come on in. Do you have business cards? And I only had a few left, so I hand my business card across. George hands his across and she looks at them both and goes, Oh, Scottish watches. Oh, Scottish watches. I love you guys. I love you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she looks at George's card and goes, Who are you? <laughs> Oh. Seriously, and I'm I'm looking at George going, huh? And then I quickly pull my phone out to start recording what's about to unfold, and George is saying, uh, George Bamford, uh, Bamford Watch Department. And she says, Oh, you run a department store. <laughs> It got better. It got better. It got better. And he's looking at me and I'm busy recording now. And uh, I'm just like basking in the glory that a little guy from Scotland is known by a French company more than George Bamford himself. Turns out the rest of the guys, obviously, at Burnley knew exactly who George was. But it was just one of those classic moments that I had tears in my eyes and couldn't get my phone out quick enough. And George, to his credit, was absolutely gutting himself as well and says he wants the video put online. So we'll include the video in the show notes and I might just cut in the audio right about now. Work with brands designing Ah, uh, brands, not yeah. brands. Okay, brands. Ah. Okay. <laughs> to designing what? We yes. can work with... Oh, don't you dare. No, no. <laughs> I, I need to know. Please, please. Tell me. So you've heard of Scottish watches? Yes, okay. But you haven't heard of Bamford? Okay, okay. So, <laughs> now, you had an experience with Burn. I was too busy crying my eyes out to actually take in what they were showing me so you can run through the details of the watches they had on display and the crazy technology as well on the dials. Absolutely. So this is a real kind of new start brand. This is and by new, we mean quite literally new. Now, he's obviously been doing a lot of work in the background, but this was pretty much their international launch platform. Can we talk about the guys behind it, the team behind it, and where they came from or what they've done in the past? Is that out there? Because this isn't their first This isn't their first rodeo. Check out the show notes because there'll be links to their website where you can get a bit more depth of information in there. But John Byrne is the guy ultimately behind it. It's a husband and wife team as well, where John Byrne really is the technical master he's the watchmaker and his wife is the master of business and all things regarding monies strategy rolling out the brand and as a team they were hilarious 
they loved to argue with each other and they were quite open about arguing right in front of everybody as they did. No, 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 you're wrong. This is right. And it was just hilarious. And then they laugh about it and say, hey, that's what happens when you work with somebody that you're married to. But they regaled the tale. He, that being John, has worked in the watch industry since quite a young age. In fact, he let it slip that he's known Francois Paul from the famous FP Journe since he was 14 years old. And he's really been steeped in watches for a lot of his life worked for various private clients, for auction houses, and has set up a business where he really specialises in fixing, sourcing, and bringing back to life some very important and premium timepieces that maybe need a bit of TLC that aren't either supported by their manufacturers anymore, or maybe they're just so intricate that they need a real specialist. And that's exactly what he is. He's somebody with a vast knowledge of many brands and many watches over the years. In fact, I think it was also mentioned that he's one of the very few that work on a lot of APs and AP, I believe, support him to some degree in that as well. So somebody who, you know, really is operating at the very highest level within the watch industry. And he's always had a little bit of a thing that he would like to do something that leaves his mark on the watch world. I think it would be fair to say that he's not necessarily looking for the fame of having a watch brand that is the world's most successful watch brand. What he really wants to do is do something different and unique and leave a mark that when he's no longer here, folk might look back and say, hey, that was a cool watch. Who did that? And his name might come up that he did something a little different. What's he done? He's done the gyro dial. Again, this is something that when you see it operating, looks super simple, super easy, but is going to be relatively difficult to describe. So check out the show notes as there'll be a link to a little video that he's put together showing the watch in action. This is a watch where the 12, 3, 6 and 9 o'clock portions of the dial flip around once a day at 12 o'clock that generally being midnight, so that when you wake up each day, your watch has a different look. Now on the stock, we'll call these stock pieces, but I think stock is very different to what you would expect to find on the high street. You have one face that has Roman numerals, one face that has a classic 12369, one face that's just got battens, and then one face where you can choose a number between zero and nine, and all four of the numbers will be your number, whether that's your lucky number, a number you like, a number you choose. And whatever number that is that you choose is also engraved onto the crown. That could be the number of people that you've murdered if you're a serial killer and your trilobe watch has the date of your first kill on it. Oh, you could double wrist. Date of first mm. kill, number of next victim. Mm. Correct. So he then opened up that above that, these are really his two key pieces. Watches are identical. You can have a black dial, you can have a blue dial, and that's doing them a disservice. These dials need to be seen in real life and need to be seen in good light to actually understand the depth and texture to these dials, which were absolutely amazing, I have to say, in real life. Then he opens the gambit. Yeah, but most folk are probably going to want something a little more special, and I can do much more in way of customization. You can have... Almost anything you want on some of these faces. You could have emojis. You could have your logo. You could have jewels. You could have precious metals. He can do within reason pretty much anything you want in some of these faces to completely bespoke the watch to you, which would obviously ultimately mean that if you did something a slightly left field or slightly crazy, you ultimately are buying a piece unique. Price point on these, again, caught me slightly off guard. 
far from cheap. These pieces were coming in at 16,000 Swiss francs, an amount that caught me off guard. I thought it was going to be considerably more expensive than this. And with customizations starting at an additional 3,000 Swiss francs, which doesn't seem unreasonable to me in any way, shape or form. I'm glad you got to check out the new watches because that mean George didn't. We kind of get kicked out because there was real people there that had real appointments like yourself. And from there, we went to Chipek where I got to see the team, including Xavier, who, again, was a guy we met over in Dubai. And it was just nice to, to catch up, have a chat, see how things were going and see the new releases that they had. Also got to meet for the very first time Rob Nuds and Dave Sargent. It was good just to catch up with real people in real life. And there was so many faces that I got to see hands to shake versus Zoom screens that we've seen, obviously, over the past couple of years. Uh, again, Chipek, I got to have a look at some stuff. I was mesmerised by the dials out in sunlight because instead of being stuck inside the hotel room, we were actually outside, being able to see these things, allowed to take photos. Again, there was a couple of pieces we're not allowed to talk about until later in the year. But you know what? As much as it sounds a little bit shitty, the fact that we get to see stuff ahead of time, the fact that we've managed to handle these things means that when the embargo goes actually break we're going to speak from experience instead of from a press release a video and a render we can actually tell you what it felt like in hand what it's like on wrist how the dial reacts to different light and our thoughts on it instead of just reading press releases like a lot of youtubers and other podcasters seem to do now did you have a chance to get more in depth of these new ones yes I did indeed. Well, that's a shame, Dave, because we are out of time for this episode. You guys are just going to have to come back and listen not only to Thursday's show with Fabrizio from Bulgari, but next Monday's episode where we're going to start off at the top with Chipek and their new releases. So thanks for listening. Ah, yeah, check out our Instagram at Scottish Watches, our website. Well, me and Dave are away doing stuff. The whole web team were busy cranking out the releases, the articles, the previews, talking about all the stuff that we didn't get a chance to see, all the stuff we didn't get a chance to talk about. So check out scottishwatches.co.uk and get in touch if you have any ideas, thoughts, suggestions, feedback, comments, etc. Don't DM us, email us. And why would you say don't DM us? We keep saying don't use Instagram, but this time what we're going to say is get onto Instagram and look at the feed because whilst we were away, Miguel was busy posting lots and lots Who? of pictures. Can I, did I say Miguel? <laughs> whilst we were away, Miziel posted loads and loads of pictures and updates from Geneva Watch Days as we were away. So get involved, have a look, because loads of folk have been making comments, good comments, bad comments, I like this, I don't like that. So get involved in the main board because there's lots to see there with some great pictures. And one thing Miziel's great at is giving a little bit of a backstory. He doesn't just slam a picture up. He's got a little bit to say about it as well. So whilst don't DM us because you'll never see it, get onto the main grid and have some comments if you've got anything to say. And I'd also say that there's a whole team there that Miziel takes the information from. And if you look after the bit of text, there will be an at, and it could be Ralph, it could be Lucy, it could be Miziel himself, it could be Mark Wheeler, it could be any of the team, GG. And who's the guy I'm forgetting? Who's the guy I'm forgetting? Philologus. There we go. <sighs> so definitely follow us there and drop us an email with any sort of info because we have a ton of emails we need to go through, we need to catch up on that are sitting from our little trip away. But definitely listen on Thursday and listen next Monday. So thanks for listening and we will catch you guys again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.